0: Welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing Terminator 2 with our special guest, Mandy Kay. Mandy podcasts on the Eloquent Gushing Podcast Network, where she co-hosts Pop Culturally Deprived with Matthew Vose, Worth the Calories with Matthew and his wife, Catherine, and Southern Fried Pop Culture with Kelly Lee. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I don't ever think of Kelly that way. I think of her as Dr. Kelly and that's
0: it. You think of her as Dr. Kelly Jones yeah, yeah. I w- even just typing up Man- uh, Mandy's bio, I was like my mind is blown at how you fit all that in but well, I mean on worth the calories,
2: I only had to do like small segments and I think I only baked like four things this year so you know I was only on four episodes. I didn't have to do all of them That's true. And and it's seasonal too, right? Like it's Yeah, we, not there were only like eleven episodes for worth the calories mm-hmm. and southern fried pop culture we do seasonally too. Awesome. So yeah, everything's really manageable except for Pop Culturally Deprived, which is weekly <laughs> perpetually forever and it gets overwhelming sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I understand I that. Like eventually you'll have to you'll have to hit the end. You know, you'll have to have seen everything worth seeing. Eventually,
2: but I think that's probably going to take a couple more years. I guess. I keep finding things that I haven't seen, and I'm like, oh, we should do that. So Terminator
1: 2, uh, written and directed by James Cameron. Is there a reason that we skipped Terminator 1? Because I feel like, Mandy, you suggested Terminator 2. Do you just not like Terminator 1?
2: It's not that I don't like it. It's just I'm not as familiar with it. I think Terminator 2 is by far the best one in the whole franchise, although I kind of feel like all the movies after 2 don't exist is is where I stand on that. Um, I've seen Terminator maybe twice in my life, and I've seen Terminator 2 at least a dozen times, if not more.
0: I think Terminator 2 is sort of widely regarded as the better between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It had a bigger budget, it was received really well, and yeah, all the ones since then have kind of not had the same spirit of it. Um, some people like some of the sequels, but some people I know also really hate them. So I think this one is has the best appeal. Plus, it's always better to see Arnold Schwarzenegger be
2: um, a hero and not a villain. Okay. Maybe I'm alone in that. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, now I'm trying to think of the ones where he's a villain, and the only other one that's coming to mind is the Batman movie where he's a villain. Which a lot of people widely regard as a terrible movie, so. Accurately regard as a terrible movie. <laughs> so, yeah, that seems to, like, in our small sample, be very accurate. I do think Arnold has a,
1: I don't know if charm is the word, but he has a good on-screen presence. And it is nice to see him have more to do. Because he had a lot more to do in in Judgment Day than he did in the original.
0: I'll confess, I've only actually seen each movie once. It was a franchise I actually missed when it came out initially.
1: Both was so, such a big part of my childhood. I can't imagine that.
0: I mean, it was so much part of pop culture. Like, I knew what happened. So, like, I got all the references and, and there was, like, clips were on enough for me to understand everything. But yeah, I only watched them as an adult in my 20s. Wow. Weird. I'm relating to you so much right now. I know. And um, for me watching the movie, I was wondering all sorts of things like, okay, so was this turnaround, like, was, was the reveal that Arnold was the good Terminator, like, a surprise to people in movie theaters? Because it was never a surprise to me because... It came out and people were talking about it and, you know, it's revealed quite quickly that this was the big surprise. And I was like, what would that have been like to have, like, not known that he was actually the good guy at first? And I was like, I can't imagine because I just I knew from the start that's what it was. That's an int- I wonder if the trailers like blew that.
2: I would think they'd have to. Yeah, I honestly don't remember. I I feel like I've just known this my whole life. Yeah. Um, I, I did notice watching it this time, though, that it was filmed very amb- ambiguous. ambiguous. I can't say that word. <laughs> Ambiguously? Yes, that word. <laughs> so that it, it was very unclear until the villain was actually introduced whether or not he was a good guy or a bad guy. Because, I mean, he just came in and, like, tore up a bar just so he could get clothes. And good guys don't do that. So it was definitely, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. they they wanted you to question it at the very least, I think.
1: I really liked that part of his character, though, that he was given this mission to, project, to protect John, but otherwise was still a
2: Terminator until John taught him not to be. Yeah, I think that's a pretty central piece of the plot of this movie that I think yeah. elevates it above the first one. Because in the first one, all we got was the killing machine. Yeah. The first one was pretty basic. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, robot man trying to kill Lady. And that that was basically it.
2: Yeah, I think the the first mm-hmm. one basically had two plot lines. It had that one, robot mo- robot man trying to kill Lady, and then the romance between Kyle and Sarah. And this one mm-hmm. focused more on the relationship between the Terminator and John, which I thought was a really nice difference i don't want to say twist because it's not really a twist but it's definitely more interesting
1: but but, and i had more going on outside of that too because it had the relationship between john and i was gonna say linda sarah (laughs) um and like also what's happened to sarah now that she knows what the future is going to be and also how all the violence that happened to her probably messed her up and then how she decides to try to change the future and so there's more going on than just robot man trying to kill boy and right. i really liked that about this one too
2: yeah for a large part of this movie you forget there's even a second terminator until he shows up at cyberdyne at the end
1: yeah mm-hmm. jen yeah i feel like we've been talking <laughs> a lot do you have any thoughts
0: i i'm in a lot of agreement with you mm-hmm. and um i really liked sarah's storyline in this Partly also just because it let her, you, you let her see the consequences of all that trauma and mm. the consequences of the ongoing trauma that like not only does she have b- PTSD, basically, that's caused her to be put into an institute where she's like ongoingly tortured, basically, um, not believed. And if they would just shut up and listen to her. Things could be radically different, but they just write her off as being crazy. So I like that. Mm-hmm. So the movie
1: came out in 1991, but it mm-hmm. took place in 1995. Did it feel
0: like 1995 to you? In terms of the fashion and everything? I mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, it definitely was a 90s era film. It maybe felt a little borderline 80s, since I don't remember Mullet's being in when i was in high school i don't remember that either
1: that, that was my thing i was like i think we were over the mullets by 95
0: yeah but it it very definitely had a, a 90s feel to it yeah and also john was supposed to be 10 in this there's no way that kid was 10 yeah no
1: <sighs> he would have been probably 13 when they filmed it right so i don't know I- why they didn't just make him 13 i don't know whatever
0: And I was pleasantly surprised that they made him skilled in the movie as well. So he's not just like some kid running around, but it's clear that she's been training him. So like he knows how to go hack the cash machine and get money. And he knows how to like reload the weapons when stuff's happening. He doesn't just like panic and freeze up. Mm -hmm. He actually, you know, has some skills to draw on and isn't just like panicking and freaking out and being rescued.
1: You know, I never thought about that before, but when you bring it up, yeah, like every other action movie with a kid, the kid is generally kind of useless. I mean, like, mm-hmm. in, normally they should be useless, but in this case, it makes sense that John wouldn't be, and I, I do like that.
2: Yeah. I like it overall, but it, it also makes me a little bit sad for his character, um, because the, the reason that he is this way is because his mom has raised him to believe that he's so important that... He can't even take care of his own mom, you know, like she berates him for coming to rescue her. And I mean, he's only 10 and that's a really big legacy to le- to live up to. Yeah, but I, I think it works for the character. I mean, it is shitty for him, I suppose, but
1: I don't know. It doesn't bother me. <laughs>
2: I mean, it works for the movie, sure. The the movie's great, and the story flows, and and everything's good. It's just, it's something I picked up on this time watching it because, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm older now, but but watching this 10-year-old be absolutely crushed that his mom is upset that he saved her, and it's because she's given him this sense of importance of the future. Like, she has put the weight of the world on this 10-year-old's shoulders, and it just, it made me sad for him. Apart from how good the movie is. I wonder what made her decide to tell him everything and not just, like,
1: I don't know that I would have made that decision.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't know. Time travel paradoxes hurt my head, including the ones in, in this particular franchise. I, I don't know if she thought telling him would be more likely to bring about things or if she thought telling him could change the future so it doesn't happen. It seems more like the the former because I don't think she really thought about trying
0: to change the future until we got to this
2: movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Mandy, in your version, like it looks like you watched the original version. Mm-hmm. And in the special edition, she gets a dream sequence with Kyle where he's like sending her the message that like the future is not set. You can change things basically. Yeah, that's not in the original. There's one
2: dream sequence in the yeah. original version, and it's the one where she's she falls asleep at the picnic table. And so she's having right. that same recurring dream of the bombs going off, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. leads into the scene where John explains what her dad told him or what his dad told her. The no fate, but what we make quote, but we don't get the dream, mm-hmm. the dream that you're talking about.
0: I was really happy that we got the dream because Michael Bean is actually a, a favorite of mine. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, yay. I would have liked to have seen that. From what? Um, what's he a favorite of mine from? Yeah. He's guested on a, like, he's had a lot of movie parts. And he did a short-lived Western TV show about The Magnificent Seven. And, Yeah. Interesting. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything other than Terminator. Uh, He was in one of the Aliens movies. I I looked up his IMDb listing as well to see what else he had done. And he's had a lot of different small film roles and things like that. Which Alien movie? Oh, I can't remember now. Okay, well, I've probably seen him in that, but
1: I don't remember. He is kind of generic looking, though.
0: He is, yeah. Mm And the funny story is, like, um, before Lord of the Rings came out, uh, I was familiar with Michael Bean, and then people started talking about Sean Bean being in Lord of the Rings movies, and I completely got them confused. Um, And (laughs) when the movie came out, I was like, what? That's not... And then they were... (laughs) So, yes, I then had to have it explained to me who this was, and it's like, oh, no, that's the guy from the James Bond movie or whatever, not the other guy, and yeah Mm -hmm. okay now i'm just picturing
2: kyle reese as boromir and that's odd (laughs) yes other than him being american i
1: think it would have worked fine everybody was in makeup and wigs anyways right
2: yeah that's true
0: but you wouldn't have gotten as many awesome memes about sean Bean dying yeah that's true plus my my head doing the effects does it more like you know one of those apps that elfifies yourself
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm just gonna jump ahead and ask, how did everybody mm-hmm. feel about the ending? Because <sighs> the ending makes it so that, like, J- John wouldn't exist at all. But but he
0: d- d- does. Oh, the time paradox sort of aspect of it. It bothers me a lot. Does it? Because they... It doesn't bother me at all. <sighs> I have some headcanon. <sighs> please. Please help
1: me.
2: Yeah. So... Um, this Terminator's arm got severed by the thingy, um, and that arm did not get destroyed, and so it still exists, and so I think Cyberdyne found it and still used it to create the technology that will lead to Skynet, even though it may be a slightly different timeline. Mm. Okay, okay. I can, because there is, I don't know, I've never
1: seen any of the other Terminator movies, but there is, like, a direct sequel to this.
0: Mm-hmm. Where
1: there are Terminators, so they
0: must have... I've seen that one. Was it good? No. ah. (laughs) I'm pretty... That's the one that has Tom Cruise as John Connor, right? No. One of them has Tom Cruise Um, as John Connor, right? I do not recall Tom Cruise being in this franchise. Okay, maybe I completely made that up, but that will make me feel better if I did. The third one has Claire Danes. Mm Mm-hmm. As the future Mrs. John Connor. And then who plays John? I can't remember. I think it was just some random. Um, like I don't think it was anybody important.
1: Because I I was looking this up yesterday. Yeah. Um, Nick Stahl. Yeah.
0: Right, okay. But yeah. Um I, I and I I've only seen that third movie again once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I once. can't even remember the details of how they addressed the different, like, that they're still Terminators. I, I don't remember if it was addressed or how it was addressed. And for some reason, these movies just get by my logic centers. Like, I don't really see them as being time travel paradox. I just accept whatever it is. I don't know why.
1: <sighs>
0: I guess my thing was with the first one, the time travel worked
1: really well. Like everything matched up and made sense, so then with the second one, when they decided to throw that out the window, it it turned me off a bit.
2: Hmm. Okay, so first it's Christian Bale, not Tom Cruise. I mixed them up. Okay. Christian Bale is uh. in the fourth one. Just want to clear that up so nobody yells at me for saying Tom Cruise is in it. <laughs> um, do do you guys feel any like sort of time travel paradox at the fact that had. According to the timeline in this movie, had the Terminators not come back in the first one, we never would have had Skynet at all. Because it was the chip from the first movie that prompted Cyberdyne to create Skynet. Should I just ignore that and just. Right. I
1: see what you're saying. Like the Terminators invented themselves. Kinda.
2: Yeah. Those sorts of things
1: bother me less because it works in the timeline. You know what I mean? Right. But it is, yeah, it sucks. Honestly, I've never
2: noticed it before. I, I watch movies differently now than I used to since I podcast about movies. <laughs> Turns right. out I'm a lot more cynical than I used to be, which is a terrible side effect of, of, of this job. Um, it's, just blame Matthew. It's probably his <laughs> fault. Right. no. No. It's totally my fault, but um, it's also probably a little bit of Joseph's fault because he's so cynical and, and I point stupid things out like, we were watching Elf last night and I was pointing out, well, because that wouldn't happen, and it's Elf, <laughs> right? That's my life now. Um, but in general, it, it has honestly never bothered me before. I just happened to notice it when I was watching this yesterday.
1: It's it, it's a It's a mind bender, which generally I'm okay with, except when it doesn't make sense. which I don't think that sentence makes sense. I guess I'm just picky about which ones I'm okay with and which ones I'm not. And it only
0: makes sense to me. I think the only reason I'm okay with this is because the movie makes no attempt to explain how they time travel. Oh, that's true. Or like how, how the time travel works. They just say, you know, we have time travel and we sent a robot back to kill this kid and then we have time travel. And so like, I, I, since they're not trying to, like, explain it, my mind just goes, like, okay, I don't have to think about how it works. Mm-hmm. But I see what you guys are saying about, like, the paradox of, like, oh, well, if if we changed this and this never happens in the future, then how did this happen in the past? Because it depended on that happening in the future.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. see, time travel never makes sense if you pull on the threads. So, let's just not pull on the threads yeah. and then it's fine. It's totally fine. Right. But every
1: now and then you get a time travel movie where it all works. Mm-hmm. Like like Back to the Future, it all just works. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it, you know? <laughs> and so I, I have a lot of respect for people who can write a good time travel movie where it all just works, even if you pull on the threads.
0: Yeah. That's fair.
1: And I will say in the first... I watched both Terminators this week because it had been so long since I watched either of them. And in the first one, they do explain the time travel... And also make it clear that they like destroyed the time travel machine. So nobody else was coming back. And then they don't address that in the second one. Right. Which I mean, whatever, they find another machine, Skynet builds another machine, like easily explainable. It doesn't bother me,
0: but mm -hmm. yeah. So now I'm wondering if like, if they've changed the future, if the robots would still know what their original mission was and know that it obviously failed because they still have the leader of the resistance, or if they would all get rewritten and just, this is their new first plan in the new timeline. See, now that just hurts my Mm -hmm. head. Yeah, because then why
1: wouldn't they just do Terminator 1 over again?
0: Uh, These robots apparently thought that she was too hard to kill, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they
2: hadn't met this... Sarah Connor yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I like Terminator 2 so much more than Terminator 1. It's just because of the sheer change that her character underwent between, you know, fluffy, soft Linda Hamilton in the first one to, like, hardcore badass in the second one.
1: I like it too, but and and honestly, I remembered her being more fluffy and soft in the first one. But when I rewatched it this week, you could you could you could already see the change because mm-hmm. by the end of the film, she's just like like she she wasn't ever gonna stop trying to get away. You know, like, right? Like Kyle dies, and she's still like, no, I have to do this, and like you could already see it affecting her, mm-hmm. and she wasn't that soft as as I remembered her being.
0: She has the right temperament for it. Mm-hmm. Like some people would get broken by mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And she just continues on.
1: And I like that because you could really clearly see how she becomes who she is in the second one.
0: hmm Yeah, I like that she's, that she gets to be a badass in the second one. That it, she is really physically strong. She's doing everything she can in any circumstance to prepare herself. And I like that. It's not just that, She gets taken by surprise and like in some action movies with the woman. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like she has to be saved. She's in the middle of saving herself when they come and break her out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is good. What, uh, What did everybody think about the special effects?
2: Sometimes I didn't notice them and sometimes they were just really bad.
0: But I mean, they were 1991 good. They were groundbreaking for the time. Like I re- I remember that part of it, so I'd get to a part of the movie and be like, right, I remember them making a huge deal out of like the liquid metal mm-hmm. and the the motion capture sort of stuff. And uh, but I thought it some parts of it held up really well, and then other parts were just yeah awful. Yeah,
2: honestly, the liquid metal never stood out to me in this one. I remember even just watching it yesterday, thinking, wow, that's that's pretty good. I mean, for 1991, that was absolutely spectacular. It was some of the more like action oriented CGI shots that kind of I noticed more with the fires and the explosions and and stuff like that. Yes.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say the nuclear explosion was the one that really was getting to me. But then I was reading about all the work they did to recreate it. And it was partly practical effect, but I think it was the CGI blending that they tried to do on it that made it jump out at me as,
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh, that's not quite right. Yeah. How about you, Kate? Um, I know they didn't bother me at all. Like, some of them were obvious,
1: but I guess I have a lot of nostalgia for this movie also. So it's not like watching it for the first time and being like, oh, that's old. It's more like, oh, I remember this, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: It held up for me better than I was expecting it to. Mm-hmm. Like, I was expecting it to be more dated. Partly just because I knew the special effects were, like, this big new thing in the movie. And sometimes when they are doing that and they're trying to showcase the effect in the movie, when you go back to it years later, it's like, oh, it's aged. And now it's, like, in all these parts of the movie and it's jumping out at me as being, like, an old thing. And it's bothersome, but it was better than I thought it would be. So I think the liquid metal parts held up better than I was expecting. And um, some of the other things, I think they were using like practical effects for some of the robot scenes at the beginning, or I guess that might've been some footage from the first Terminator, but
1: but yeah. James Cameron's career in special effects has been so weird. (laughs) And like in movies in general, his like, how do you go from Terminator and aliens and, True Lies, and then, well, Titanic. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, what an odd sort of
0: move that was. Well, he also did The Abyss, which was underwater. Right. So, yeah. And he's working on the next Terminator reboot as well. Oh my god, they need to stop. (sighs) Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger are signed on apparently. Yeah, I'm excited
2: about this one only because Linda Hamilton is signed on for it. I really want to see what happens. I think this one basically assumes that none of the other ones happened.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it um uh it takes place
2: after this one. Right. So it it erases so the, like 3, yeah. 4 and 5 like as if they didn't yes. happen. And I I'm, I'm, I'm actually here for that. I mean, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about the actual movie. And how it takes place. But I I like... I'm intrigued by the idea. How about that? I am intrigued. But
1: I... It just feels like a big money grab. And also, isn't he making like 10,000 more Avatar films, allegedly? Even though nobody cares?
2: Yeah. We'll see what actually comes to pass.
1: I'd much rather this Terminator sequel than more Avatar
2: <laughs> I am ambivalent about Avatar, so I haven't seen Avatar yet. So you don't need to. It's, I mean, it is actually really good, but it's not worth all of the hype that everybody gave it forever. And I don't think it needs five billion sequels. Mm-hmm. But it has Sigourney Weaver and Zoe Saldana in it, so I'm a fan. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's interesting, though, that the reboot is coming now um, when we're. 10 years before the date that John Connor sends the Terminators back. Like, we're only 10 years out from that weird, crazy, bleak waste- wasteland at the beginning of Terminator 2. Right. But we're still 20 years out from when the bomb blast apparently hit. No, that's in 97. Right. 20. We mm. are now. Oh, 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 I see years what you're saying. Past yes. it. Sorry. So I'm I'm curious to see will it still have happened in 1997? Did they make it so that it happens later? Like how did they change the timeline? I think that'll be interesting.
1: I'm optimistic, okay? I applaud your optimism. <laughs> I'm interested to know who they get to play John.
2: Yeah, I haven't looked into yeah. it enough
0: to know if they've even if they've ever announced it. I think the hardest part for me is going to be not seeing that Arnold Schwarzenegger has aged. Mm. If they try and do him as another Terminator robot. Mm-hmm. Unless they, like, address that with an, an in-movie explanation. Because that was, like, the hardest part about, like, Star Trek's Next Generation movies continuing on. Is that Brent Spiner was aging. And it was hard not to see that. and And have it push me out of the movie. Alright. So... Even between the
1: first and the second one, Arnold looked completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But, I mean, now he's 70? Yeah. So, yeah. There's going to be a lot of CGI. Yeah. But they can do it. I mean... I'm hoping they do, like, at least somewhat address it with the movie. But we'll see. We will see. We'll see how it, how it turns out. Uh, One of the other things that usually pushes me out of these types of movies as well is when, you know, they're making a movie about an apocalyptic future and they're like, yeah, the bomb's going to fall in 1997 and then like we're watching it now 20 years after and it's like, well, we dodged that bullet. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's like, we're living in a radically different future than the movie told us we would be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's why I'm always a proponent for never giving years in these things. You know, just say... 40 years from now this happens don't say what yeah. year it happens in yeah
0: i mean it is kind of fun too because i do remember like there being some comments on like skynet when important dates were coming up and stuff like that um so you do get that sort of fun referential aspect to it uh, but yeah so fun fact i just looked this up it looks like john connor's
2: not going to be a main character in the next one They've got somebody who is going to serve as the body double for a younger John Connor with Edward Furlong's 1991 facial likeness being used through the use of CGI, which sounds really weird.
0: Um, Some interesting facts about Terminator 2, speaking about like young John Connor, it was Linda Hamilton's son who played young John Connor for the playground scenes Mm. for the dream sequences. And then Linda Hamilton has a twin sister who was used as her body double every time there were two Sarahs on the screen. Oh, cool. She was the one that was not in focus or like the further one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, They had her come in for that. That's cool. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and now I'm just trying to imagine being Linda Hamilton's twin, and like walking around in the grocery store, and people being like, "Oh my God, were you?" And she's like, "No, no, it's my sister." <laughs> really? I think you get me. to a point
1: where you just you just signed the autographs, right? Like, whatever. I was in Terminator too. Yeah. You no, know, I know I've seen Linda Hamilton in other things, but I have no idea what. Dante's Beauty page. and Beast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen Dante's Peak. Oh, it's terrible, but it's so good. <laughs> and did you remember the TV show Beauty and the Beast from and back Now that you the- say that, uh-huh. yes.
1: Also, she was on Chuck, which I'd forgotten about, but... Now that oh, I okay. That
0: she also just reminds me of a guest star from Star Trek Next Generation, who was Tasha Yar's sister. Okay. But... I don't know if that's just because like it was a, if there's a strong resemblance to it or I don't know why. I didn't realize the Terminator reboot,
1: like it's in post-production. So they've, they've fi- finished filming the new oh, really? the one coming out next year.
2: Yeah. It comes out in November. That, uh, oh, that's crazy to me.
1: Like it's actually happening. What? I assumed it was going to be one of those things that was just stuck in production. Hell.
2: Nope. It looks like filming wrapped in early November 2018. So hmm. weird. But it's still untitled. It's just Terminator 6 right now. Six. That's insane.
0: I hadn't been aware of numbers four and five. <laughs> yeah, four
2: is the one that had Christian Bale in it. Yeah. Um, and then I okay. I don't think I saw five. I I own all these. I discovered this week.
1: We we mm-hmm. have the DVDs, but. I don't – I've never seen them.
2: I, I think that since this one is going to completely disregard 3, 4, and 5, they can't call it Terminator 6. Like, it's going to have to have some other name. Like, yeah, right. Terminator in the future – I mean, that's a terrible name, but, you know, something without a number.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Did anybody ever watch the TV show? No. The Sarah Connor Chronicles? Yeah. No, I
1: didn't. I always meant to because I love Summer Glau, but – I never did. And then it was canceled. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I do like the meta aspect just of our movie industry in general, how we're making a reboot to erase the reboots <laughs> that have come before. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's let's reboot this. And we're getting to the point where we're now rebooting to reboot. Yeah. Well,
2: I think it's because after Terminator 2, James Cameron wasn't part of the Terminator movies anymore. And this one yeah. is bringing James Cameron back mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And so for that
0: reason, I can kind of
2: understand it. Kind of. Maybe I'm just being
0: too generous. Yeah. And then I haven't looked up the story behind it, but this is also the first one since Terminator 2 to have Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger back in them. Um, or was Arnold Schwarzenegger in one other one? I know he had a cameo in four. Okay. I think he was a big part of three. Okay. But this is the first one to have Linda Hamilton back in yes. it. Okay.
1: Maybe I'll actually watch these sometime. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think five is the one that had Amelia Clark play Sarah Connor, right? Okay.
1: See, and I like Tell Amelia Clark, so maybe I will watch that one. And then why wouldn't I watch three and four or whatever?
2: just watch them all yeah
1: and i know one of them does deal with a plot point that i always thought would be interesting um like when john finally meets kyle in the future Mm -hmm. like i don't think it does it well which is unfortunate but i always thought that that would be an interesting story to tell the two of them kind of becoming war buddies all all the while john knowing that this was his father
2: yeah i like that Mm -hmm. um john's character brings it up in terminator 2 he's like You know, he hasn't even been born yet. I'm going to meet him in the future. And that's just really weird.
1: Yeah. He says he wish he got to meet his his real father. And I think then Arnold is like, you will. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm always surprised about, like, obviously, these movies are quoted a lot.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But when I was watching it this time, I was genuinely surprised about how many of these lines still exist in pop culture
2: hasta la vista baby
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was hoping somebody else would do that yeah (laughs) but like and how it it repeated the come with me if you want to live Mm -hmm. which i always forget that that is terminator and just all of them like and so many iconic scenes like the high five scene i don't think of james cameron as being a good writer
2: but i guess he is At least with this one. I mean, this one is, I think, exceptionally well written. It's got really good dialogue. It's got, I mean, you don't expect a movie that's about a Terminator to have a small plot point that's the Terminator asking, why do you cry? And then by the end of it, he's like, I understand why you cry now. You know, like, it seems so out of place, but it works.
1: Yeah, yeah, put some good emotion into this otherwise, just straight up you know explosion movie
2: have you ever cried when watching Mm -hmm. this movie
1: you know i don't think i've ever cried but i did get a little emotional this time
2: i didn't this time but when i was a kid every time i watched this i cried at the end
0: so i think i've become more of a crier as i got older i did not cry (laughs) either of the times i watched this i've I've asked you this before and
1: i i genuinely don't remember but are you generally a crier in movies
0: uh, certain things trigger me to cry, but I find I'm more likely to cry at a movie that I rewatch than a movie I'm watching for the first time. Oh, interesting. Like, especially if, pe- if it's sort of a movie that you kind of expect might make you cry, I spend the entire time wondering, is this the saddest part? is this where everybody cries? Or is there something else coming up (laughs) where I'm going to cry? And that kind of puts enough distance between me and the movie to not make me cry. See, that's interesting, because I think one of the reasons that I like watching
1: movies so much is it turns off that, like, anxiety piece of my brain. And I just watch the movie, and I'm not worrying about stuff like that. So I I just think it's interesting that it's the opposite for you. I mean, shitty for you, it sucks, but... (laughs) Interesting that okay, people's I, brains work differently.
0: I love rewatching movies, and partly as if it's a good movie, then like I kind of know what's coming up, and I can anticipate it, and just like get myself lost in it again. Right. So, but there are certain movies that make me cry every time.
1: I'm curious about so. what,
0: even though this has no bearing on the conversation. Uh, terms of endearment. Okay, makes me cry every time. I'm trying to think of another one. Um. Yeah, I can't think of any others right now, but I know there are some that just... Yeah. Okay.
1: Do you,
2: Mandy,
0: so.
1: do
2: you consider yourself a crier?
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: There are so many movies that just absolutely make me cry. I tend to cry less if I'm taking notes because my brain is in a more analytical space mm-hmm. than just experiencing the movie. Um, but there are some movies that I will cry every single time Steel Magnolias is, is one. Beaches is one. The Notebook. Mm-hmm. They, they tend to be kind of stereotypical crier movies. But, I mean, there there are others. But that list would be extraordinarily long because I am indeed a crier.
1: Yeah, I'm not even gonna. If it made anybody cry ever, I probably cried.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Terminator 2 made me cry. So there you go. <laughs> Just yeah. not this time. Okay. Uh, anything else about the movie? So I noticed something this time that I've never before seen in this movie, and it's absolutely mm-hmm. hilarious to me, and I want to know if you guys saw it. So at the okay. end, when we're at uh, at Cyberdyne and the evil Terminator has finally come back into the picture and he hijacks the helicopter, there's mm-hmm. a quick shot where they're showing him loading a gun or rocket launcher or whatever it is that he's using to shoot at the the good guys, essentially. And he has a third arm that he's using to fly the helicopter while he's shooting the gun. I've never noticed that before. It's very weird, like attention to detail that they did. And I really appreciate it. And I just can't believe I never saw it before. So funnily enough, I read this little fact of trivia before watching the movie. And then I meant to
1: watch out for it. And I completely forgot and didn't notice it at all.
0: I did not notice it at all either. I read about it afterwards. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's a really but, uh, quick yeah. shot. And like both Joseph and yeah. I were sitting there watching it. And I don't know why we picked up on it this time. But both of us like looked at each other eyes wide. Oh, my God. Did you just see that? <laughs> it was so bizarre. But at least I know I'm not crazy. It was actually there. No, it was.
1: I was as soon as I saw your note, I was like, oh, crap and then party was like do i have time to go put it on again and rewatch and like no i don't
2: Aww. <laughs> so yeah that's all it just it was funny and it made me laugh but it also really made me appreciate the attention to detail that, that James Cameron went through with this movie because of course if, if you have a body made of liquid metal of course you would grow yourself a third arm yeah of
0: course yeah. why not i also really liked how they utilized the fact that he had a body of liquid metal so He didn't need to find a weapon if he wanted to impale someone. He just would be the weapon. And, yeah. Yeah. I really liked,
1: um, I guess we didn't really talk about it, but the character of Miles Mm -hmm. and his family and that whole storyline. I thought that was really interesting.
2: Oh, his death scene was awful. I mean, it was really wonderfully acted, but it was emotional, yeah, I. That's one of the scenes that, like, I remember. Mm-hmm. You know, from
1: when I was a kid, I remember him, the the police finding him and him being like, "I don't know how long I can hold this."
2: Mm-hmm. I think that one and the, the scene where the Terminator shows him that he is a Terminator by ripping the skin off of his arm. Mm-hmm. That scene is one of the most traumatic movie scenes I've ever sat through, especially since I first saw this movie when I was like ten.
1: I don't remember being traumatized, but I remember it.
2: I don't think I was as traumatized as Miles' wife, who was very overly traumatized by it. But, I mean, she was going through some severe shock and trauma at the moment. But it still remains one of the things I vividly remember as far as movie scenes go.
0: Jen, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up? Um... The only thing I was going to add was that the movie, of course, does not pass any kind of Bechdel test. Um, right, it's only got the one woman, basically. <laughs> yeah, and like even in the scenes, because like when they go to Miles' house, like I don't think there's a scene where she directly talks to the wife, or when she meets up with Enrique and his family and everything. Mm-hmm. She still doesn't actually directly talk to anyone. And yeah, which is not a like contextually for its time and stuff like that. I still think it was like in my memory, I remember people being super impressed with Linda Hamilton and the character of Sarah Croner and the fact that she got to be part of the action and not just somebody who was having to be saved Mm -hmm. and all of that, Mm -hmm. which is not to say they shouldn't add more women roles in general into movies but that's why you don't judge movies by a single test right. as to their worth mm-hmm. yeah i you know until you brought it up i didn't even notice yeah um because it's so like and i really enjoy her character in it um i loved how realistically strong she was and like the whole scene where she's breaking out of the institute And she has a plan and she just, you know, she's going to pick this lock. And then as she's even running through the hall, you can tell that she's had training. She's, you know, stopping and waiting and checking to see where the guard is and then running. And then even as she runs, she's holding herself and her weapon ready. Mm -hmm. And so it's clear that not only is the character written that way, but like I buy Linda Hamilton's performance of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I still really enjoy it. Yes, yeah, she had a presence
2: that filled the screen and so you didn't feel a, a sense of lacking from her being the only female character. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Yeah. All right, yeah. well, shall we move into recommendations? <laughs> okay, you know what? I will recommend something that inadvertently Mandy recommended to me this week. Not on purpose. Oh, dear. No, it was because you're doing your, your Christmas song thing. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. I forget what the hashtag or whatever that you're using is, but one of them was a song by a group called Straight No Chaser, Mm -hmm. who I had never heard of before, and now I have a lot of their songs on my Christmas playlist, because they were pretty great.
2: They did acapella before acapella was cool.
1: So if you're into acapella or just good arrangements on Christmas music, check them out.
2: That actually gives me an idea of something to recommend. Okay. Um, I put together my list. It's I'm using hashtag 25 songs of Christmas. And mm-hmm. I put together my list before this song came out. And so it's not on there. I think I put posted it as a bonus. But another acapella group called Eclipse Six did a mashup of Hamilton and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer called Hamildoff. <laughs> it sounds insane. But it's amazing. Is that new? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it came out this year. I, well, I only okay. saw it this year. How about that? But I also only saw Hamilton this year, so maybe it's a couple years old. But I found it a couple weeks ago, and it was stuck in my head for days and days and days. And it's amazing, so everybody should go
0: listen to it.
1: Okay. Jen, do you got anything?
0: Uh, Well, I'm feeling like I'm uh, the odd person out here by not doing something Christmassy. Um, <laughs> not everybody likes Christmas, so that's, that's okay. Um, so I will just share what has recently caught my attention as a fascination and that is fairy gardens, or as I like to think of them, gnome gardens. And it came up because I was playing hide and seek with my five-year-old and he was hiding in our bathtub and there's a plant pot on the edge of it. And I found him and as he got out of the bathtub, he knocked the plant pot off and it broke and he felt really, really bad. And then I was cleaning up and I was grabbing a plant pot off the shelf above the bathtub and I knocked a second plant over (laughs) and broke another plant pot. And so then he was also kind of feeling bad and I was like, I bet we could make something with this and broken pot fairy gardens. And then it's just been a huge rabbit hole for me. Of, like, all these handmade tiny things and putting together, you know, little miniature garden displays. That sounds awesome. So at least now I have a plan for these broken plant pods. I hope you take pictures. I will probably take pictures. I don't know if I'll get to it, like, soon. I want to, like, jump in and be working on things, but um, I have two exams on Friday, so I I should be studying hashtag should be studying hashtag should be studying (laughs) yes okay
1: but yeah well i think that's everything
0: yeah just before we go i'm just going to put a little teaser out there that soon there may be a special announcement about a new project um from some people on this podcast So keep your eyes on your Twitter streams and listen to the podcasts, both ours and Pop Culturally Deprived, for updates on that. And then I will just say thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share about the Terminator movies or anything Star Trek related, you can contact us at acommandofherown at gmail.com or tweet us on Twitter where we are at Own. And you can also find us on Instagram, instagram.com slash a command of her own. And Mandy, do you want to tell people where they can find you?
2: Uh, Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Mandy K. That's M-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y-E. Or you can find information about all of my podcasts and other podcasts. We do Eloquent Gushing at uh, eloquentgushing.com.
1: And just a quick aside. I don't think we're doing any more episodes until the new year. That's right. And I, right? We're taking some time off because December is insanity. Yeah. So we will see everybody in 2019 about the two uh, Short Trek episodes coming up. Yes. And I believe that is everything. Thank you so much to Mandy for joining us. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And goodbye. And bye. <sighs>